0: The Guardian.
1: As countries around the world begin to relax their lockdowns, many of us will be faced with the strange experience of seeing friends and family whilst maintaining a physical distance to them. In the UK, that's two metres apart. Here on the podcast, we wondered why does a one or two meter distance seem like a vast gaping gulf with those we love, but a little too close? in the supermarket queue.
0: Repeatedly, we find that where the other participant is defined as in-group to the real participant, then they move the chair much more closely together than where the bogus participant is seen as out-group.
1: I'm Nicola Davis, and this is Science Weekly. To find out more about the mental challenges of physical distancing, I spoke to John Drury, professor of psychology at the University of Sussex. John, last time we spoke, it was during the Australian wildfires in January, and we talked about psychology in an emergency and crowd psychology in an emergency. If our listeners haven't heard that episode, it's certainly worth a listen to. But the COVID-19 outbreak is a very different scenario. So John, let's get on to the psychology of physical distancing. As people go back to seeing friends and family... There'll be plenty of us realising how difficult it is to keep our distance, you know, when you just really want to go and give someone a hug, particularly when you haven't seen them for a while. But what is it that makes staying apart so challenging?
0: Well, I think you're right that people are finding it challenging to be uh, physically apart from people that they're psychologically close to. I mean, it used to be said that people try to avoid uh, proximity from others. But of course, that's true for certain kinds of people, certain kinds of crowds. But for others, we do try to get close. And the research suggests that there is a basic self-process, which is the comfort we feel with proximity to members of our in-group and therefore our tendency to try to get close to those, those others that we regard as us or as we.
1: John, what do we mean by in-groups and out-groups? It sounds sort of like sort of school football teams or something. Can you just give me a feel for what we mean by this?
0: Yeah, it's an important point. And what counts as an in-group varies in terms of context. So the starting point is um, the self is made of categories. Okay, so I have lots of different group memberships and those are a source of identity and they become my in group and they become important to me in different contexts. So in one context, I'm at work, and I'm part of a lecturer category, and um, I see other members of the university in some context as my in-group. In another context, I see fans of my the team that I support as my in-group. In another context, I see uh, fans of the band I like as my in-group. So what counts as an in-group varies because we have lots of different Group memberships and it could be as small as a a, a peer group or it could be as large as a national category um, in some contexts
1: so physical distancing you know staying two meters apart as we've been told to do here in the UK is is something new for, for us how much research do we have on this and on how people respond to this
0: so the research on distancing behavior And how comfortable people feel with proximity actually goes back to the 1960s when there was a perceived crisis of overpopulation. And this led to an explosion of research uh, animal research, research on rats, research on cities, research on prisons, which all came to the conclusion that proximity was bad. It led to stress, it reduced our cognitive capacity, it led to ill health, and so on. But then this research itself reached a crisis because it was realised there were many contradictory results, as in sometimes people didn't find proximity aversive, sometimes people enjoyed proximity, sometimes people sought it out. The first experimental evidence came with a study led by David Novelli at Sussex University, and it's now called the Two Chairs Study, because it controlled every element apart from the identity of a chair. And in this experiment, participants are told that they are about to take part in a study of communication styles. And they, uh, they go into a room to wait for another participant. And we carry out a bogus test in which the participant is told they're a member of a, an imaginary made up group. Um, we told participants that there were two types of communicators and you're in one type and the person you're going to speak to is either in the same type as you or is in another type and then we uh, left them in the room with the two chairs and we said the other participant is not here at the moment they are um, they're going to collect their phone or something like that and while you're waiting for them before the communication with them starts can you just put the put your own chair Wherever you like, wherever is comfortable for you, uh, in relation to the other chair, and then the experimenter leaves the room, and the person places the chair, and that's the end of the study because the experimenter then comes into the room with a tape measure, measures the distance between the chairs, and repeatedly we find that where the uh, where the other participant who's not even there is defined as in group. To the, to the real participant, then they move the chair much more closely together than where the bogus uh, the participant is seen as outgroup to the participant. Even though all they know about the other person is that they are part of their group, they don't know anything else about them, and the groups uh, themselves haven't got a history, they're just in-group, out-group.
1: So the idea then is that people we think we have something in common with, we want to get closer to, or conversely people we think we don't have something in common with we want to stay further apart from is that that the conclusion from that
0: well it's people that we categorize as part of self or other so when someone is in group to us they're part of an extended self that's why when they come into our space it's not an not experienced as an invasion of space but a sharing of our social identity space um, and that is the, the reason we want to get close to them and the reason we uh, enjoy being close to them. And when David Lavelli went into the field to look at um, how this might translate in a, in a real crowd, he found where people um, identified strongly with the rest of the crowd, um, they were much less uncomfortable with uh, high levels of density. And in, a, in another study he he carried out on a on a protest event he found more confirmatory evidence in that people who identified most of the crowd were the ones who were most likely to try to gravitate to the centre of the crowd to be in the densest areas and to feel comfortable in the densest areas.
1: We've talked here a bit about how people naturally want to be close or to be further away from others. So John, does our behaviour depend also on what other people are doing? Can that modulate our response? So for example, if everyone else um, at a barbecue is maintaining you know, physical distancing of two metres, does that mean we're more likely to as well?
0: I think other people's behaviour is absolutely crucial. And this is one reason why you know, those of us who've been involved in trying to influence policy have been so critical of newspaper coverage, particularly in the early days, that sensationalised the non-distancing behaviour of some, uh, some individuals and sought to imply that this was widespread. And you know, in psychology, there's a distinction between two types of norms, prescriptive norms, which are what we should do, and then descriptive norms, norms that people do anyway. And, you know, what you want, of course, is people to see that others, that their reference groups, that those they look to for guides to what they should be doing, what's safe to do, are behaving in ways which are in compliance, adherence with the with the regulation. So certainly other people's behaviour is absolutely crucial, though I want to stress that people are still discriminating. And the people we look to most, the people that we listen to most, the people whose examples that we take most information from are those who again are like us at some level um so maybe your neighbors community members um what are they doing that tells you how safe it is and how right it is for you to do the same thing
1: how do we promote physical distancing in the kind of situations where it's difficult you know something like being on the tube or going to music events or something. Um, Obviously, as you said before, being on the tube, you want to generally stay apart from people. You're not comfortable in that crowd. Music events, people often do like to be in a crowd, as we've sort of talked about before. So how in those two different scenarios do you promote physical distancing?
0: Yeah, this is a really important practical question. I do a lot of work with professionals in the events industry. And over the years... Uh, Many of them have adopted uh, the ideas from a social identity approach. Key concepts like using communication to build identity with your crowd, um, to promote safety norms and so on. People might have enough space, but are they going to uh, distance for the reason we've said? They're going there to be with others. They like to be close. How do you manage that? How do you encourage uh, proximity behaviors and just as you've got a basic self-process of seeking proximity within group others there's another social identity feature which is group norms so every identity has a set of norms around it and you think of something quite generic right which is caring So, how do we express the care that is intrinsic to our identities, the care we feel towards each other? How do we express that in these new times? In terms of the messaging around norms, it's that we distance because we care about others, for the public health of all of us, for the greater good of all of us, and so on. What we suggest to those managing events, uh, managing public space, is that they message using norms that are based around and that refer to the shared identities, so that when people adhere, when they distance, they're doing it to be good group members.
1: Thanks so much for joining us, John. That was absolutely fascinating.
0: Thanks very much, Nicola.
1: Thanks again to John. Please do keep sending in your questions on COVID-19 just head over to theguardian.com forward slash COVID-19 questions. That's all one word. Stay safe, wash your hands and see you back here soon. We'll be back on Thursday.
0: For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.